Thank you so much. Well, I see old friends here tonight, and I'm so delighted to see you and um, some of the people who pray uh, with us online. So we are going to get started. I'm going to be talking to you about a call to prayer tonight. But before I begin, um, I will bring you up to date on my life. I considered canceling um, every speaking engagement that I had from um, August until the end of the year because I thought that I was going to need that time to get acclimated to my new lifestyle. Now, you have to understand, my husband and I have been married 56 years. We live out on Lake Oconee in this most peaceful community. Um, and you hardly ever see children out there. But there are a few, uh, I think four, young children who live in the neighborhood. Well, uh, that has changed. And uh, as of August the 5th, 6th, 7th, that weekend, my life took a tremendous, made a tremendous change when God said, tilt, because see, my life had just been smooth and easy and peaceful, you know, going out to the prayer cottage early in the morning. I like to get up before the world gets up. And I would go out, and I'd stop, and I'd look at the stars and the moon and the clouds sometime. And, and I love to see the stars just twinkling through the oak trees. And then I'd go back in my office and look out over the lake, and sometimes the water would be dancing. Sometimes the water would look like a canvas. And um, my husband went for his walk, and when he got back, he prepared his own breakfast, and, and life was good. <laughs> and we went out to eat a lot, and it's not that convenient out there. In fact, one of my grandsons said the other day, he says, it takes 30 minutes to get to a store from here. So five of my grandchildren now think that they live in the middle of nowhere because they moved in with us. And my life has changed. It's been a shock. <laughs> but they really make life interesting. The eight-year-old and I went down on the dock. Well, and right now, you know, we have a beach out there, and we're praying for more rain than what we are having right now. And uh, she said, Nana, what do you think heaven is like? And we talked about it, and I told her, I said, I'm persuaded that God is going to have you designing other planets and galaxies. And maybe he will have you designing robes for the angels. And he's going to have a library for me. 
where I can study and where I can continue to write. And then she told me, she said, well, you know, I do want to go to heaven, but I want God to send me back. Now, she's the number four child. She said, I want God to send me back as my mom's first child. Life is interesting at my house. <laughs> Little do we know sometime what God is preparing us for. And now here uh, at this season of my life, I'm looking at this new environment that I'm in, and I'm saying, God, what are you preparing me for? <laughs> life is interesting. And life with God is exciting. Before I get into the teaching tonight, I want to invite you to visit Word Ministries. Our website is prayers.org. And we're believing God for 100,000 intercessors who will unite from around the world to pray that the will of God might be done on earth as it is in heaven. And each day we pray for a different nation. And today was Romania. And I said, Lord, what would you have us pray for Romania? And we have uh, a wonderful friend, and he says that Romania is home more than Canada or the United States. Rufus, why not? Some of you may know him. So I prayed for him, and, and then I prayed for the native ministers, and that God would help them renew their minds according to the word of God. And as, as, I, as I was thinking about that, I said, Lord, I don't want to be presumptuous about this. But you see, it takes a made-up mind to displace erroneous beliefs with the word of God. And I remembered how um, some of the people who've been to Romania came back. I'd forgotten it until I prayed, was praying that today. And they came back and they said, the native ministers are still having their minds renewed. And so they are still learning how to walk according to the will, purpose, and plan of God. And don't you just love the way the Holy Spirit works? And he brings things back to our remembrance that we're to pray for. And you can sign up uh, on our website. And um, don't, don't be shaken up by the way the website looks tonight. We are in the process of having that redone. And, um, but you can still sign up and, and join with us in prayer. A call to prayer. Father, I just thank you and I praise you. I thank you that each person in the kingdom of God is important to you. And I thank you 
that you, you have a work for us to do. But even more than that, you just want us to be. Be your instruments. Be your children and just come into an intimate relationship with you. And I thank you that you give us the grace to answer the call to prayer. Father, so many people just uh, find prayer a difficult task. But, oh, Father, when we stop and realize that you have called us to come into this place of prayer, to commune with you, and to even do business with you. Father, you didn't have to include mankind in your plan to do your will on earth, but you did. And so we humble ourselves before you tonight, and we pray that your will might be done in this service. And I pray for those who are listening by radio or over the web. I thank you, Father, that you have drawn them by your spirit. So we thank you for releasing and imparting your grace to us to be world overcomers in prayer and in this life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, and amen. In Matthew 21, 13, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 56, 7. You don't have to turn there at this time unless you just would like to, but... Um, we're not going to be hanging out there. By way of introduction, I want to repeat what Jesus said. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Yes, and in the Old Testament, there was a house made with hands where people met with God. But we are his house. Yes. We are his house, Amen. and we have all been called to prayer. Amen. And we regulate prayer so often to the intercessory prayer group. Well, thank God for intercessory prayer groups because that's who I've been teaching and training for almost, well, I guess about 40 years now. And so I thank God for people who will set aside that time to pray. But... We are not to be an elite group. The entire body of Christ has been called to pray because you are individually a house of prayer and we are collectively a house of prayer. I'm going to be sharing with you uh, tonight uh, and over the next couple of days from um, a book that came out last year, A Global Call to Prayer. And um, God began to teach me to pray many, many years ago. And I did not realize how he was going to put all of the puzzle pieces together. I wasn't trying to have a prayer ministry. All I was after was just knowing God. I just wanted to know him. I fell in love with him. He liked me. I liked him. He loved me. I loved him. And I'm telling you, I got to know that I could know him intimately, and he wanted me to. He wants that for his children. He calls us to prayer. 
I didn't call what I was doing prayer. I found out that this Bible was God's love letter to me. I was just sitting at my kitchen table with my pen and pen and paper and my Bible. And, and then, you know, I got a Strong's Concordance and W.E. Vine's um, Expository New Testament words. And, and, you know, I just started searching and searching because I found out the only way I could know God was through his word. And that the Holy Spirit would take his word and teach me and tell me all about Jesus. And to know Jesus is to know the Father. We answer the call to pray. And he gives us the grace to do that. I read about great men of prayer uh, and women of prayer. I, I heard about the woman who prayed for years and years and years, Lord, give me India. Give me India. And she was asking and asking for that nation. And so God has led people on many, many prayer journeys. And he wants to do that for all of us. But see, he does give us different assignments, and uh, he wants us to fulfill that assignment. And if we don't, thank God, he does find someone to fill it. However, we did read about a time in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, where he looked for a man who would build up the gap who would stand in the gap, build up the hedge, so that he would not have to pour his judgment out on Israel. One man could have stopped that. Pastor David, just one man. He left for one man. And it was so sad when the scripture goes on and says, but he could not find one man. And a lot of people say, well, I just don't know how to pray. Well, we're going to look at what prayer is. A few years ago, the prayer team and I were in the exotic and colorful nation of Morocco. And we toured. We didn't do prayer walking. We did prayer writing. I like that. When you are not too many, well, let's see. Should I tell you how old I am? But you're supposed to say, oh, you don't look 77. But, but anyway. So I appreciate the prayer rides. And we had been touring and praying for Morocco. And now the team and I were really excited because we had fallen in love with the village and the shops there. And it was time to buy a little souvenirs, you know, to bring back to the United States. There was so much to see. There were stalls with fresh meats just hanging out. They wouldn't allow that in the United States. But, you know, lambs were hanging up. Beefs were hanging up. Chickens. 
that had been plucked. You know, they were hanging up there by their feet. And, and all this meat was hanging up. I didn't linger too long in that department. <clears throat> but the fruits and the vegetables, I loved to see those. They were beautiful. And there were people everywhere. Some were sitting, mostly men actually, sitting at the outside cafes drinking either coffee or mint tea. And oh, I love their coffee and I love their mint tea. And they would look at us sort of sideways when some of us would sit down, you know, out where just the men were sitting. But it was an interesting place. The women were always walking. Few, only few of them ever seemed to sit down. They were always busy, busy, walking, walking. And some had veiled faces and some didn't. Some were dressed actually in Western garb, in jeans even. And uh, that was, they were younger. But oh, I longed to talk with them. And I just prayed that the light in my eyes would rejoice their hearts. We went to pray for the nation. After an afternoon of shopping, we made our way up on what they call a mountain side. We went up there to pray. Went up there where we would not be disturbed. There were monkeys everywhere, and there were wild dogs out there. It's, be it's a beautiful country. But as we were up there praying, there came a sound from the village. It was an, a mom who was calling the people to pray. Five times a day, they are called to pray. They are united in their prayers. They speak the same things. And I couldn't help but think about us here in the States. And I said, Lord, I know that when I was growing up, we had certain rituals that we followed in our church. You know, everybody went down to the altar to pray. And um, we looked, you know, askew at those who continued to sit in their pews and wondered what was wrong with them because they were supposed to be down at the altar. You went to the altar to pray. There were just certain rituals that we followed, and we knelt down. That was an act of reverence before our God. But you know what? Then we... <clears throat> All we charismatics got free. <laughs> and we didn't have to nail down anymore. And you know, any posture that you come before God in, he receives us because he looks on the heart. And it's actually humbling our heart before him. He's a, he's a, this God is a spirit, and he looks on us, and he sees our hearts. In one of the hotels we stayed in, I was going up the stairs, and I went, oh, my goodness, the hotel 
had prepared uh, mats and rugs for people to, for the men to kneel on. And I just sort of stopped. And of course, they were always facing Mecca. And I thought about these people who are so diligent in their prayer, and they don't even have the assurance that we have. They're trying to earn their way to heaven. They don't know whether or not God or Allah is hearing them. They don't know that. Our Bible tells us that God's ears are open to our prayers. We can meet with a God who hears us, a God who answers prayer. Why wouldn't we answer the call? It's too easy for us to ignore it. Oh, my goodness, I think sometimes I just don't want to get up this morning, so I'll pray later. And I'm not saying you have to pray early in the morning. You pray morning. You pray noontime, you know. Praise him, praise him. Praise him when the sun goes down. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him when the sun goes down. He hears our prayers. And I thought, oh, God, that we would be as diligent. We can meet. We are invited to meet with the creator of the universe. And I try not to say too much. God said to me. I try not to say that too much. But did you know that when you begin to spend time with him, that he will begin to talk with you. I remember those first days when I was just learning, and I would stop and say, now, is that God, or is that me, or is that the devil? I have got to work this out. Because I wanted to know. And then I found out that my sheep know my voice. And I began to say, Lord, I'm the sheep of your pastor. Jesus, I follow you. Jesus, a voice of a stranger I will not follow. I didn't call it praying. I was just fellowshipping with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Here in the United States, we drive through large cities and small towns. And you know what? We find churches in every small hamlet and large city. Have you ever noticed that when you get a new car, I remember the first Buick I had, and I began to see Buicks. Everywhere I looked, I saw a Buick. I'd never noticed a Buick before until I had one. I never noticed so many churches before until I was the pastor of a church. Then I saw churches everywhere. I couldn't get away from a church. You don't have to drive far 
to find a church building. And you know, I, I ask this question, why have we not united? Why have we not learned to love one another? I want to tell you, when, when uh, God visited my um, kitchen and, and he stayed, he never did leave. He visited my kitchen and I fell in love with him. I did not know you could love like that or be loved that way. And then I fell in love with the whole world. And this will tell you something about how I was when one of my daughters came in one day and she said, Mommy, what's happened to you? You're smiling all the time now. (laughs) And then another one of my daughters said, Mom, have you noticed how everybody in the mall smiles at you? And I said, well, I don't know why they do it. She said, because... They're smiling back. (laughs) Well, I thought that everybody's just waiting for me just to tell them. And I tried to tell everybody. I I was probably one of those Christians. Now, you have to understand, I've been born again from the time I was 12. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues at the age 14 because I wanted Sister Elsie Bell to be able to eat. She had said that she was not going to eat another meal until Tremaine got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And when you're 14 years old, that puts a lot of pressure on you. So you had to go to church, and you had to get down at the altar. That's where you got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. Now, God does have a sense of humor because I was planning to leave this Pentecostal church when I grew up. And I wasn't going to have anything to do with that stuff. Although I'm third-generation Pentecostal, I didn't want anything to do with it. But I wanted Sister Elsie Bell to be able to eat. (laughs) So we went, she and Mother and I went to the church and knelt down at the altar. It was summertime and it was hot. We didn't have air conditioning. We opened the windows and it was still hot. And about the time I was completely, totally worn out from saying glory, 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 (laughs) and hallelujah, 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 until I was saying loo, loo, loo. I mean, I I was dying. And I put my head over on the altar, and I said, well, God, I guess... Sister Elsie is not going to get to eat because I cannot speak in tongues. But I, because, see, 
we believe that the Holy Spirit had to come on you and take you over in spite of everything you could do to stop him and speak through you anyway. Well, you know, God does meet us where we are. I don't know why I'm sharing this. It doesn't have anything to do with a call to prayer, I don't think. But maybe it does. And just as I was ready to give it up, and of course, I, you know, they, one of them was telling me to hold on, the other one was telling me to let go. <laughs> and I want to tell you, the wind of the Holy Ghost came through the window, and I felt this refreshing. I knew the Holy Spirit was here, and I want you to know, in spite of everything I could do, he just took me over, and he spoke through me. And Elsie could eat. <laughs> now, I'd like to tell you that the next 20 years, my life was wonderful, but it wasn't. Because when God came to visit me, he delivered me from depression. Jesus gave us a new commandment. He said that you love one another as I have loved you. That does not mean that we tolerate sin. That doesn't mean that we compromise. But that means that we walk in righteousness, which is simply doing the right thing. One of the grandchildren was memorizing some scripture and we were talking about Enoch, who was a righteous man. I said, what does righteous mean? She said, I don't know. And so we talked about righteousness means doing what's right, just doing the right thing. So, the way we show our love is by living righteously. Not self-righteously. I did that one for a few years. Because, you know, I was the perfect pastor's daughter. I played the piano. I sang in a choir. I sang in a trio. I did all that good stuff. But I didn't really know God. Did you know you can speak in tongues and not know God? The reason I didn't know him is because I didn't know his word. I knew, you know, I knew Psalms 23, I knew John 3.16, and I would memorize scripture to get the prize. <laughs> but it didn't seem to be written on the tablet of my heart. We keep ourselves in the love of God. He says, pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude does. Tells us to pray in the Holy Ghost. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Keeping yourself in the love of God. So. That's where we learn to love one another. 
through the scriptures, God speaks to us. And through prayer, we speak to him. And we release words into the universe. Finally, we had a crisis in our home. And I said, Lord, teach me to pray. By this time, I'd been in the Word and uh, just been fellowshipping with God. I would, I would uh, quote the Psalms as though I had written them. They, were, they began to be written on the tablets of my heart. I have people ask me, how did you memorize all that scripture? I said, I didn't. When I asked the Holy Spirit to teach me to pray, he began to take scripture and he taught me to take scripture and rewrite it in prayer form. Now, I thought I was the first person in the world to do this, but I found out I'm not. I went to the Episcopal Church and I opened up their prayer, their book of prayer. I went, oh my goodness, somebody else has already written prayers from the scriptures. Then I began to read about people from the 16th century and they taught people how to pray the scriptures because they couldn't read. They couldn't read the Bible, so they taught them how to pray the Bible. Isn't that neat? Well, when this crisis came, I wanted to know how to pray effectually. I reasoned if there is an effectual prayer, there must be ineffectual prayers. I mean, you know. You just turn that around. And I realized I'd prayed many, many, many ineffectual prayers. So see, all those years that I was walking in that depressed state, oh, I'd have my ups and downs, but I was usually pretty depressed. And um, I could function and I could look good in front of people if I wanted to. But a lot of times, I wanted everybody to be as miserable as I was. But now, I wanted to learn to pray effectually. During those times, those years, I had prayed many ineffectual prayers. So I found out and I know I'm not having you turn to all these scriptures, but I found out in James 5, uh, 18, that is the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person. I know it says man in your Bible, but that's a person. God created Adam, male and female, and I'm the female side of that. So, I, you know, so we're not... Don't, I'm just believing that God, that men and women in the body of Christ are going to learn how to cooperate with one another and not be threatened by gender anymore. It's in that place of unity where answered 
prayer is guaranteed. But I found out it's effectual prayer of the righteous that avails much. But I remember I wrote that on a piece of paper. I put it up on my refrigerator. And I said, well, you know, I've been taught we were going to be righteous when we all got to heaven. Well, how could I be righteous here? And then I found out from uh, Corinthians, book of Corinthians, I don't know, 2 Corinthians 3, tell me where. Yes, 521. That, the, um, that he, speaking of Jesus, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I went, oh, my goodness. I didn't earn this righteousness. Then I, I read in the book of Romans it was a gift. It's a gift. I didn't earn it. And God placed us in a state of holiness. I said, okay, God, I need to know how to approach you. And he led me to a scripture that is 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in him. This is the assurance. This is our title deed. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. I know you. Hey, Brother Roy. <laughs> Thank you for coming. And you know, since we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. And like many, many other people, I said, well, how can I know you well? Now, you have to understand, you Reimer graduates, when I was learning all this, I didn't know those guys out in Tulsa and Fort Worth. I didn't know them. But I was so glad when I began to hear them. I said, oh, God, that's the same thing you're teaching me. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I got so excited. Don't you love confirmation? And, I, and it just made sense to me that God's word had to be his will. So I said, teach me to pray. First prayer I wrote, prayer that I wrote was for my children. And I started with Isaiah 54, 13. My children are disciples taught of the Lord and obedient to his will and great is their peace and undisturbed composure. That was the first prayer I wrote, actually. And you know, this little voice, now I grew up in a minister's home, so this little voice said, You've got to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, that was not uh, New Testament. That's Old Testament. And that's not talking about our children. That's talking about Israel. And, you know, I heard all of this playing in my head. <laughs> I remembered a lot more from my childhood than I ever knew. 
we have a lot of erroneous thoughts. We have a lot of misbeliefs up here. And we have to pull them down before we can renew our mind. And I just stood up that day, I'll never forget it, and I said, well, bless God. I wanted to know what he said about my children, and he, I believe that his word is his will, and I'm going to take this for my children. And Lord, if I'm violating this in any way, you let me know. And David will be here tomorrow night because he was the one, he and my husband, are the two men who inspired <laughs> prayers that avail much. Everett and I have been married 56 years by the grace of God. Hallelujah. I had a young wife that called me and wanted to meet with me. She wanted me to counsel. I said, I'm not a counselor. Uh, I can counsel you in prayer, but I'm not a marriage counselor. And um, she began to talk to me about the difficulties she was having in communicating with her husband. And after listening to this for a while, I leaned across the table and I said, well, you need to know that my husband and I are still working on that. <laughs> she said, don't tell me this continues. That's not what I meant. Of course it's what you meant. I couldn't have meant that. And I couldn't have said that because I never thought that. I know what you said. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. We learned that that didn't get us anywhere because we forgot what we started out talking about. A few of you understand So, I began to write prayers. See, I have people who say to me, well, I don't read anybody else's prayers. I don't read written prayers. I said, well, that's okay. I just pray from my heart. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to a scripture. Mark 11. I bet you didn't know that was on prayer, but it is. It's about prayer. I just want to pray from my heart. I'm not going to read somebody else's prayer. I will pray from my heart. If praying from your heart is working for you, you don't need prayers that avail much. But I want to tell you, Praying the scripture will write it on the tablets of your heart and on your mind. I've ne I don't think I've ever had to stop and ask somebody for a scripture reference before, but I did tonight. That humbled me a little bit. That's okay. So Mark 11. 
Verse 23. Truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in his, what? But believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. Now, I'm going to start right there, that one scripture for right now. Well, let's read the next one. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you will get it. Now, what is in your heart? What is on the tablets of your heart? I have sat in prayer groups, and I have heard, and usually it's women that do this, and they tell God everything their husband's done wrong and how he has treated them, or he, they tell him how sorry and low down their children are acting. What is on your heart? You don't think God knows what they're doing? I never understood that. And then they end it this way. God, you do whatever it takes to save them. Where is that in Scripture? God's already done what it takes to save them. He has already sent the Holy Spirit who convicts and convinces us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I don't know. You're not getting to thinking about some of the dumb things that I've prayed. I'm telling you, when our son would get in trouble and have to go to court, in fact, there's a book back there, Prayers at Belmont's for Your Family, and some of his testimony is in there. But every time that he'd go to court, I had these two women, and we'd get together, and I mean, we prayed for that judge. Oh, my goodness, we prayed for that judge. We told God what to do with that judge. <laughs> and you know what? We thought God was hearing us because he got off a lot of times. That looked like God to me. God is hearing and answering our prayers. But you know what? God was interested in building character into our son. God wasn't after showing him that he could get by with stuff. That one, God, come on. I mean, he got by with a lot of stuff. It made me so mad. Except those times we prayed God and told him what to do. You know, why do we think we can counsel God? I mean, I've done messed up with my son, but now I'm trying to counsel him about my son. 
like I know what to do, God. You need me counseling you. You know what? It didn't work. It just would put a Band-Aid on things for a while, and it looked good for a little while, and I'd breathe a sigh of relief for a little while. But God, one of the things he showed me out of the Gospels, when Jesus was talking to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. Did you know that Jesus didn't stop and rebuke the devil? I mean, we did all the binding and all the loosing. We did all that. Jesus didn't do that. He said, Peter, I'm going to pray for you that your faith will not fail. And when you come through, you will strengthen your brethren. I got hold of that. See, we get so distracted by natural things. We get so distracted by how it looks. And we forget that there's a big picture. And finally, I realized what God wanted to do was build character. And I know, I hate that. I hate that saying. No pain, no gain. But I've lived long enough to find out. That there is pain that comes with the growth. And God began to help me look beyond and through the scriptures. He began to change me as I began to pray scriptures. For instance, he gave me this, and I'm not through with that. And let me finish this first. See, when you look at that, whoever says, that means you open your mouth and you speak. That's what you do in prayer. You open your mouth and you speak. The problem is often we are not speaking what we really believe in our heart. You have to persuade yourself sometime that what you are speaking is true. So whatever you say, and do not doubt in your heart, we can have it. And I think about those men in Morocco and in all of those North African countries and, and how they, they come and they answer that call. And they're saying the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. In the book of Acts, there was a group that prayed, united prayer. I believe that somebody got a hold of the scrolls 
and wrote that prayer for all of them to pray. Well, hallelujah. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it, confident that it is granted you, and you will get it. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. And let it drop. Leave it and let it be. I won't go into any more of that tonight. God has call, is calling us to pray. Only prayer, a spiritual revolution, is going to save our nation. I listen to words that are being spoken. And I listen to words that are saying... This is what, this is what the people believe. This is what the people want. I'm sitting there thinking, I don't believe that. I don't want that. But do you know, they tell us if we listen long enough, we begin to believe it. Why wouldn't we take the scriptures and pray them and pray them and pray them until we believe them? I have people say, how long should I pray those precious, sweet prayers in your book? I said, you pray them till you believe them. That's how long you pray it. Pray it till you believe it. I didn't believe I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when I started saying it, but I said it, and I said it, and I said it till it was written on the tablets of my heart, and I don't even have to question that anymore. And I knew that my prayers would avail much. 28 years of standing for deliverance for our son, and most of what I learned in prayer was Praying for him. But I didn't even get to be present the day he was delivered. I didn't even get to take any credit for it. <laughs> and you know what was so neat? God showed me that I wasn't the only person praying. I was in a church. And a woman came up to me after the service, and she said, do you have a son? And I said, well, yes. I said, you mean I didn't mention him today? I usually mention him. She said, no, you didn't. And she said, I need to know if you have a son. And I said, yes, I do. She said, God spoke to me today and told me to intercede for your son. This, she was in another state. And God used that to show me that he has other people praying. We're not alone in prayer. Y'all may not believe it, but I'm trying to close. 
And one of the first prayers that I wrote was to watch what, what you say. I remember when I found out that I had to watch what I said, what I was saying. I said, well, Lord, I may not. There were two things. I found out it was a sin to worry, and, and I asked him, well, what am I going to think about? <laughs> now, see, some of y'all won't admit that, but y'all wondered too. And then I found out I had to watch what I was saying, and I thought, well, You know what? I'd have people come to, and I had a woman come and sit in my office for one hour, and I said, well, how can I help you? She said, well, I can't tell you because it'll be a bad confession. <laughs> so, 45 minutes, I said, well, your time is up. She said, well, she said, well, I thought the Holy Ghost would show you what it is. I said, well, he didn't. But that's what that teaching will do to us. I'm afraid to say anything. And the worst thing is when you go around correcting everybody else. Don't say that. Don't say Don't, don't you say that. And you hadn't even taken your own thoughts under subjection to the Holy Spirit. I had a, pre, I had a pastor come to me one time, and he there was a woman in his church that was coming to my Bible study. And he said, could I meet with you, please? And I said, yes. He said, would you please talk to her and ask her not to correct all my members in the church about what they're saying? I said, I will try. So I wrote a prayer. Father, today I... Make a commitment to you in the name of Jesus. I turn from speaking idle words. Do you know how hard that is to do? We grew up speaking idle words. I turn from speaking idle words and foolishly talking things that are contrary to my true desire to myself and toward others. In the name of Jesus, I submit to godly wisdom that I might learn to control my tongue. Oh, Lord, do I have to control my <laughs> Have you ever spoken things? When I first started practicing this, I would start telling something, and all of a sudden I'd have to stop and say, uh, wait just a minute. <laughs> Could we start over? <laughs> if you put that kind of demand on yourself, you'll start talking differently. Because that's humiliating to have to say, you know what, that's not true. Well, I, that was, God forgive me for lying, I did you know, we got to start, can I start over? I mean, you know, sometimes we go out of our way to lie. <laughs> you know, somebody will have on. Our friend I have on a dress we really don't like. It looks hard. The color's horrible. 
on her. And we'll say, oh, you've got a new dress. Isn't that beautiful? Well, I'm not going to tell you what to do about that one. But we need to start thinking about what we're saying. Your words have power. And see, you begin all this in your prayer closet. That's where you begin it. Then you don't have to run around saying, I didn't mean to say that. Can we start over? I'll tell you the hardest thing I ever had to do. My, my husband and I grew up in the South. And I had to learn to quit asking him if I could do things. Because he always said, somebody said it. No. <laughs> I don't know. It just fell out of his mouth. So what we women in the South do, we learn how to manipulate to get our way. So I'm not going into all the details, but now I already had books out. I hate to tell you that, but I did. I had books out. People were praying them, you know, and I was being asked to go speak. And, but I really wanted to go to Arizona to visit a friend. So I just came up with a reason <laughs> that I needed to go. And he said, yes. I was so happy till I got back in my kitchen. That's where God is. <laughs> and he said, He said, you know you lied. I said, God, forgive me. Don't make me go and confess to him. You know what God did. That was the hardest thing, Robin, I think I have ever done, was to go in there and just say, you know, I've got a confession to make, and it ain't a positive one. Oh, my goodness, because y'all have to understand it. My husband is an engineer, and the engineer is perfect. Y'all do understand that. Anybody that's married to, is anybody else married to an engineer? They're perfect. They're always perfect, and they never make mistakes. <laughs> they don't have any emotions. Everything is logical. They always want to know why. I think I'm going to have the steak instead of the fish. Why? It's crazy. <laughs> I had to go tell this perfect engineer that I had lied. Now, he, I think, forgave me. God did. And God was pleased that I was willing 
to say, I'm through with this manipulation. It is witchcraft, ladies and gentlemen. Men manipulate too. And because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I set the course of my life for obedience, for abundance, for wisdom, for health, and for joy. Set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Then the words of my mouth and my deeds shall show forth your righteousness and your salvation all of my days. I purpose to guard my mouth and my tongue that I might keep myself from calamity. Father, I make your words top priority. See, when I wrote all this, I was just writing it, but I had... Someone came up to me out in there. I did make it to Arizona. And she came and she said, Your prayer, this book changed my life. She was just shaking it like this. I, and I took it from her and I said, This book changed my life too. She said, I thought you were the author. I said, I am. And it changed my life. Well, glory be to God. Let's stand. Please. And my, you know, do you know nearly everybody says, would you stand to your feet? And my engineer husband says, what else? <laughs> he does. I mean, he really does that. Y'all think I'm teasing, but I'm not. He says, what else are we going to stand on? Okay, what did y'all hear tonight? What did you hear that will make a difference? That will make a difference in your life or in your prayer life? Anybody? Would you tell us? All right? Okay. Anyone else? Pardon? The righteousness. Righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Doing the right thing. Doing it God's way. Without excuse. You know what? We make excuses. We'll say, you know, I'm just going to do it this one time. That's an excuse. That's an area you need to start working on. We'll say, you know, nobody knows anything about this. It won't hurt anybody. Need to start working on that. There's probably a prayer in prayers of Belmont that will help you change that thinking. That's misbelief that will lead you astray. The body of Christ is being called to a higher level of prayer than ever before. And it's not just about our country. It's about this world. We have an election coming up. How are you going to vote? 
Are we going to vote God's way? I'm not about any political group. I'm not about any man. I'm about voting according to the will of God. The body of Christ, if the body of Christ come into unity and harmony in the area of prayer, we could change this nation and then this world. Before uh, I lead you in prayer, Mark Brown, I've known Mark and Linda for many years. I'm so delighted that you're here tonight. And the Lord (coughs) put something on his heart for the people. Do you mind if I just read it, Mark? I would that you would spend time with me. If you will, I will tell you things to come and steps to take as the Father unfolds it. Time with me builds your faith. Praying God's word, by the way, builds your faith. And makes your heart more sensitive to my voice. So make time for me, and I will prepare you for action. That's what it's about. I believe you heard from God, Mark. Thank you. And when... One of our major points of prayer in our intercessional prayer group is for the body of Christ. (coughs) I have prayed and asked the Lord to make me a bridge. And, and uh, you, if you buy a, a global call to prayer, you will see in there where I talk about the body of Christ coming together in unity. We've got to quit arguing about tongues. <coughs> We've got to quit arguing about prophetic intercession, apostolic intercession. Listen, if we have prophetic intercession and apostolic intercession, we have pastoral intercession, we have evangelistic intercession, and we have uh, teacher intercession. Now, I believe in all that. I have friends in, in all of these areas of prayer. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Let's don't major on what the Bible doesn't major on. Let's don't use these things to divide the body of Christ. And I say in there, let them that speak in tongues speak in tongues. (coughs) And them that don't, don't. Let them that travail, travail. And them that don't, don't. (coughs) Excuse me, but this is coming to a close. And I thank you for your attentive.